Please take your Bibles now and turn together to 2 Kings chapter 1. 2 Kings chapter 1. As we continue to consider the life and ministry of the prophet Elijah, this will, Lord willing, be the second to last time we turn to Elijah's life. Next week, Lord willing, we will consider Elijah being taken up into heaven. But Elijah has one last mission before he is rewarded with glory, and that we will consider together tonight. I'll read all of 2 Kings chapter 1. Before I do that, I'm going to read the last few verses from 1 Kings chapter 22. Originally, 1 and 2 Kings were just one big book, Um, but these are important verses that set the context for what we read tonight. It's really an ominous and dark way that 1 Kings ends as uh, Ahab dies and his son comes to the throne and we read that his son is is no different from him. He walks in the ways of Ahab, uh, but then the Lord brings a trial into his life and we'll consider that together tonight. So once again, please hear God's word. I'll begin reading at um, 1 Kings 22 verse 51 and then I'll read all through 2 Kings chapter 1. Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, began to reign over Israel in Samaria in the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and he reigned two years over Israel. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother and in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. He served Baal and worshipped him, And provoked the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger in every way that his father had done. After the death of Ahab, Moab rebelled against Israel. Now Ahaziah fell through the lattice in his upper chamber in Samaria and lay sick. So he sent messengers telling them, Go, inquire of Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover from this sickness. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say to them, Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are going to inquire of Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord, You shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, But you shall surely die. So Elijah went. The messengers returned to the king, and he said to them, Why have you returned? And they said to him, There came a man to meet us and said to us, Go back to the king who sent you and say to him, Thus says the Lord. Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are sending to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Therefore you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. He said to them, What kind of man was he who came to meet you and told you these things? They answered him, He wore a garment of hair with a belt of leather about his waist. And he said, It is Elijah the Tishbite. Then the king sent to him a captain of fifty men, with his fifty. 
He went up to Elijah, who was sitting on the top of a hill, and said to him, O man of God, the king says, come down. But Elijah answered the captain of fifty, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your fifty. Then fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. Again, the king sent to him another captain of fifty men with his fifty. And he answered and said to him, O man of God, this is the king's order. Come down quickly. But Elijah answered them, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your fifty. Then the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. Again, the king sent the captain of a third fifty with his fifty. And the third captain of the fifty went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah and entreated him, O man of God, please let my life and the life of these fifty servants of yours be precious in your sight. Behold, fire came down from heaven and consumed the two former captains of fifty men with their fifties. But now let my life be precious in your sight. Then the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, Go down with him and do not be afraid of him. So he arose and went down with him to the king and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Because you have sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, is it because there is no god in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore you shall not come down from your bed, to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. So he died according to the word of the Lord. That Elijah had spoken. Jehoram became king in his place in the second year of Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, because Ahaziah had no son. Now, the rest of the acts of Ahaziah that he did are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? That's where we'll end the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this story that you have included in your inspired word. And it's a sad and sobering story. And we pray that you would give us understanding and faith. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would give us what is good, as we sing in Psalm 85. Lord, we pray that you would give us the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the bread of life that you would enable us to see why we so desperately need him in the face of death. He is the bread of life. And so, Lord, we ask that you would work now by your spirit uh, through this ordinary means of preaching uh, to work faith in us and to build us up. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If God is real and he is holy if his word is true, and if death is certain, where does that leave you? Where does that leave you? What is your plan? What is your hope? Are you right with God? 
Well, Israel's new king, Ahab's son, Ahaziah, as we read this story tonight, he is lying in bed, injured, sick, and worried, wondering if he's ever going to get well, if he'll ever leave that bed, if he'll ever walk again, if he'll actually live. He's faced with the frailty and uncertainty of life. But he does not believe in God in a saving way. He does not believe that God is holy. He does not believe God's word. And rather than turn to his creator and admit his sin and the shortness of life, he turns to an idol. He rejects God and his word. And he rejects God's messenger. And in the end, he dies, along with a hundred others who would not fear God and humble themselves before him and his word. Now, what if you were in Ahaziah's shoes, or maybe in Ahaziah's bed? Where would you turn? Where would you find hope? Would you have hope? Who would you call out to? Who would you listen to? Well, the reality is we may not be sick or injured or in bed or a king of Israel. We may not be facing death. But we will all die unless Christ returns first. And we all will meet our creator, all of us in this room. And we will answer to him as Ahaziah did. And so the question is, are you ready? Are you ready to die? Are you ready to meet your creator? Have you repented of sin and put your faith in God? We see in this unique story tonight that God is holy. God is a consuming fire. He punishes all who do not humble themselves before him in his word, who do not turn from sin and idols And trust in his mercy. But what about you tonight? Where do you stand? What is your hope? Tonight we have another colorful, action-packed story. A lesser-known story from the life of Elijah. A sad story. But a story that shows us once again God's grace at work in Elijah as he's faithful and courageous yet again, a story that shows us again that God's word is true, a story that confronts you with your need, with your need to hear and trust God's word, your need for repentance and faith, your need for salvation from Jesus, because Jesus is the only answer to death. He is the only hope for God's holiness and your sin. And so, friends, the call and the challenge of this text tonight is to humble yourselves before God. Fear Him. Humble yourselves before His Word and trust in Jesus. This story from God's Word proclaims to you tonight that death is real. And this is why you must trust in Jesus. You must find life in Jesus. Death is real and God is holy. He is a consuming fire. 
And so you must turn away from all false gods. You must turn away from idols, trust in God's word, and cling by faith to Jesus for life. Well, let's look at this story together in more detail. And I want to start with the fact that the Lord is God. The Lord is God. You've heard this already before in our study of Elijah's life. That's because the Lord is God is what Elijah's name means. That is what his ministry has been proclaiming. He is God. And because the Lord is God, we read here at the beginning of our text that Ahab is dead. Ahab is a man. Ahab is a sinner. Ahab receives God's curse and judgment. And as we then read about his son, Ahaziah, we see sadly that the apple does not fall far from the tree. Just like his father, he too is an evil idolater. Uh, We read at the end of 1 Kings that he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He walked in the way of his father and mother. He served and worshipped Baal and provoked the Lord to anger in every way that his father had done. Well, without really any introduction beyond that, in verse 2, we read that evil Ahaziah has this accident. We don't know how it happened But he he takes this great fall, and all of a sudden he's bedridden, and he's sick. But of course, this fall is not an accident of chance or fate. This fall came from the hand of God, because the Lord is God. This fall happened according to the plan of God and the providence of God. But rather than take this fall and this time in bed, this injury as an opportunity for Ahaziah to slow down and and consider his life and reflect, to consider the frailty and brevity of life and, and get right with God, repent of his sins, rather than doing that, Ahaziah comes up with this idea to send messengers to call upon a false god, send messengers to Beelzebub of Ekron, a false foreign god. Go ask him if I will get better. Go ask that God if I will recover. And so we see in this action of the new king of Israel that Israel is still so lost. They are still caught up in idolatry. Ahab had trained his son to follow right in his steps. Things were really no better in Israel, even though we know God was preserving a remnant and preserving his prophetic ministry. We see the utter foolishness of rebellious man. He will not acknowledge the Lord as God, but he'll inquire of lifeless idols. He'll follow in the footsteps of wickedness and foolishness when his heart is hard and unchanged. And Ahaziah stuck there in bed Sending messengers for word from an idol is really a striking picture of the lost and hopeless foolishness of man, especially in the face of suffering and death. People understand, people know that life is not right. They have a sense that life is short and they are afraid, but they turn not to the true God. They don't turn to the one source of life and hope 
and salvation. They look anywhere and everywhere else for the truth and for hope. And I wonder tonight, are you tempted to do that? Have you done that? Are you doing that in your life when you are in need or you're unsure about the future, when you're worried, when you think about the reality of death? Do you look anywhere other than God for peace and truth and hope? Well, because the Lord is God, he sees this. He sees this decision and action in Ahaziah. He takes notice and he takes offense. God has humbled Ahaziah with this fall. He's given him the chance to humble himself and seek the Lord. But his heart is just as proud and hard and full of idols. And brothers and sisters, this story warns you and it warns me to not live in this world as though the Lord is not God. Do not live as though the Lord is not God. The Lord is God. Do not face sickness or uncertainty or death without the Lord. This is a hopeless and empty way to live that ultimately leads to destruction. Do not turn to false gods. Turn to him who is the true God. Well, because the Lord is God and he's holy and he's jealous for his honor, he's jealous for his people, he will not let this foolish public idolatry in the king go unchecked. And so he calls upon uh, the faithful, uh, weathered Elijah yet again. And let's consider, second, how the Lord sends Elijah. The Lord sends Elijah. Look again with me at verse 3 and following. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishpite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say to them, Is it because there is no God in Israel? that you are going to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Now therefore, thus says the Lord, you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. So Elijah went. God knows exactly what Ahaziah is doing. He sees into his heart. And so he takes action and he sends this angel to to get Elijah to intercept the king's messengers with a message from the true king, with the word of God. And there are really two parts to the message that Elijah delivers. There's a question and a statement. The question asks about Ahaziah's action in order to uncover his sin. And the statement pronounces his prognosis, his future. He's never going to get out of bed. Uh, He will surely die. Now, why does God do this? Why does God confront Ahaziah, uh, his messengers, and send this message to him? Uh, Well, it is because of his outright idolatry. He was already an idolater before, but now it's blatant and flagrant and it's public and God is going to address it. Uh, Ahaziah is seeking help from a false god. He's sending messengers outside of Israel. And this is a slap in the face to the true God, the holy living God, the God of Israel, who made Ahaziah, 
and made Ahaziah king who formed the people of Israel, who brought them out of Egypt, their creator and their king and their redeemer, the God who could heal him and and who knew the outcome of his illness and had already decreed the end from the beginning. This question that he sends is meant to uncover the utter foolishness of Ahaziah's actions. And this question is really significant. It's actually repeated three times in our text. Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are going to the God of Ekron? What could Ahaziah say to this question? Deep down inside, he knows that there is a God in Israel, just like his father. God had made that abundantly clear on Mount Carmel. And in sending the drought, in sending the rain. <clears throat> He'd made it abundantly clear again and again through the ministry of Elijah and through his word that Elijah brought. And so the answer to this question is not no, there's, there's no God in Israel. The answer is there is a God in Israel, but I don't want him. I will not submit to him. I refuse to trust in him and humble myself before him. I'm just a fool. And an idol worshiper. There is a true God who is God, not just in Israel. And he knows what will happen in my sickness. I just don't want his word. I don't want to be accountable to him. The Bible actually asks this question of all people. This question of all people who are in rebellion against God. Is it because there's no God that you turn to man's wisdom? Is it because there is no God that you turn to the love of self, the love of money, uh, false religions? Is it because there's no God that you make yourself an idol and you reject God's word? Even the creation proclaims that there is a God and even the creation begs the question, is it because there's no creator that you worship the creature? Is it because there's no creator that you act as though this world is all there is or that it came about by chance? The right answer to this probing question, the right answer from Ahaziah would have been, God, you are right. I've acted in idolatry. I'm in rebellion against you, the true God. I've been a fool. You are the God of Israel and I'm sorry I repent, forgive me. Teach me the way I should go. Give me hope. The question opens up the heart. It reveals the the hardness and idolatry, the foolishness, and it, it welcomes repentance. It's moving Ahaziah to see his foolishness and sin and repent. That does not come. At least we don't read of it here in the text. That repentance does not happen for Ahaziah, but it can come for you and me, and it must. Because there is a God, and he is alive, and he's holy, and he's powerful, and he's spoken, and he's merciful. And so turn to him, and not to idols. Turn away from your sin, and trust in him. Well, the other part of this this message from Elijah is very hard and heavy. You will never get down from your bed. You shall surely die. 
This was a hard word for Elijah to deliver. Think about a doctor having to tell a patient, from everything I can see, from everything I know, you are not going to walk again, or you are, are going to die. Ahaziah is not going to want to hear this. It's not an easy message for Elijah to give, but with faithfulness and courage, he gives this message, this word. And while it is a word of judgment, it is a gracious opportunity for Ahaziah to seek the Lord for the salvation of his soul. While there is time, his body would soon die, but there was hope for his soul if he would repent. Before we move on, I want you to consider Elijah, though. Elijah is told to arise once again. Elijah, get up and go and deliver this message. Once again, confront idolatry. Once again, pronounce judgment. Once again, you have to go deal with the wicked house of Ahab that is unchanged. And we read in verse 4 simply, So Elijah went. He once again faithfully delivers the message entrusted to him. And Elijah could have been bitter. He could have just been simply worn down. God, another king, another, another idolater I have to go confront What good did it do with Ahab? He could have been tired of what seemed like an unsuccessful ministry among such hard hearts and persistent idolatry. He could have worried for his safety. And yet by faith and by God's grace, the battle-tested prophet once again gets up and goes and says exactly what the Lord called him to. By God's grace and by his spirit working in him, he remains faithful to his call, faithful to God's word, even in an apostate land, even after years and years of difficult labor that yielded very little lasting change. And Elijah's dress and location that we read about in this text capture something of the loneliness and difficulty of his calling. He wears the prophetic garb that he had become known for, and that's later worn by John the Baptist, a garment of hair and a belt of leather. And as soon as King Ahaziah hears that, he knows it's Elijah. There's no ease or luxury or outward glory for this faithful prophet. He's not clothed like a king, but a poor wilderness wanderer and an outcast. He's not an esteemed member of society or one living for this world. And even when the soldiers seek for him, they find him not in a palace, not in some nice prophet's quarters, but sitting alone on the top of a hill. And this all reminds us of Jesus, the final and greater prophet, the greatest prophet who was himself despised and rejected, who had no place to lay his head, who was a humble carpenter who left glory to become a servant who was rejected by many, whose public ministry ended in a humiliating, excruciating death. And yet this was God's plan and God's calling. And despite outward appearance, God was bringing innumerable, lasting, eternal, worldwide fruit and blessing 
through his ministry. Well, the faithful, courageous, lonely prophet delivers his message. And uh, not surprising, this message is not well received. The king suspects that it's Elijah and confirms that by his dress. And he responds by sending this detachment of 50 soldiers to basically go and arrest Elijah. And it's at this point in the story where we see that the Lord sends fire. And I want us to consider that third tonight. The Lord sends fire. Look again with me at verse 9. Then the king sent to him a captain of 50 men with his 50. He went to Elijah who was sitting on the top of a hill and said to him, O man of God, the king says, come down. But Elijah answered the captain of 50, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. Then fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. The king sends these 50 soldiers with orders to go and get Elijah. This is not a peaceful request for Elijah to come to the king. This, there seems to be intent to harm him. Um, there are 50 soldiers because he's seen as an enemy of the king, a dangerous man. And once again, Elijah's outnumbered. He's outnumbered, but 50 soldiers are no match for the living God. After the captain orders Elijah down in a a disrespectful way, Elijah says, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your fifty. And without warning, without delay, God sends fire from heaven and these men are completely consumed. They are burnt and they are killed by this fire. Wow. This is a shocking and unexpected turn of events. But God is pulling back the curtain just a little bit once again, similar to what he did on Mount Carmel as he sent fire from heaven and then as he put the prophets of Baal to death. He's pulling back the curtain on his holy, just anger. And he carries out this swift, severe judgment on this detachment of soldiers. He carries out this swift defense of his lonely prophet. Why does he do this? Well, the king was giving orders to God's prophet. This is not how it works. God gives orders to the king. The king is seeking to silence and reject God's word. And so really what you see is the authority of the earthly king, Ahaz, going up against the authority of the true king. The living God. And God says, this is not going to work. I am king. I am Lord. And so God crushes those who were in league with Ahaziah. He consumes them. Those who were carrying out the king's evil orders. Ahaziah is essentially at war with the true God. And God says, you're not going to win this. He brings this swift defeat. He shows Ahaziah who the true king is, who he must fear. He shows him, he shows us that he is holy and he hates idolatry and pride and evil. God is a consuming fire and no one can withstand his holy judgment. Well, Ahaziah, the the fool, takes no lesson from this. 
He does not respond with humility. He simply sends another detachment of 50 soldiers. And the next captain's message is is more forceful. This is the king's order. Come down quickly. But Elijah responds in exactly the same way. And fire consumes all of them as well. Now some will read this story and this repeated fire from heaven and say this is Elijah's pent up anger. This is Elijah's frustration coming out. This is Elijah finally getting vengeance for a life of persecution. Certainly Elijah may have had holy anger and jealousy for God. But friends, this is the anger of God. This is the fire of God coming down and consuming these men. God would not have sent this fire if it was unjust or just the vindictive wish of one man. This is the holy God punishing evil, punishing idolaters, rebellious men. Once again, though, Ahaziah continues in his utter foolishness. He's so hard-hearted. He thinks he can outmatch and outmaneuver God. And so he sends yet another 50 men likely to their death. But this captain is not as foolish as his king. And as he approaches Elijah, he falls on his knees and he pleads with Elijah to preserve him and his men. Now this captain is not giving orders, he's pleading for mercy. There's a fear of God, there's a fear of God's messenger. There's a respect and a humility and a willingness to submit rather than command that was completely lacking in the previous captains. And this time God shows mercy. And he sends his angel to tell Elijah, go with him and do not be afraid. And this whole shocking scene with fire raining down from heaven, this this lesser known story is a striking picture and reminder for us of the holiness of God. He is a consuming fire. He will and he does consume his enemies in just judgment. And they are no match for him. And yet we also see here powerfully that God is merciful. We see that when we humble ourselves before him, when we acknowledge his greatness and his holiness, when we fear him and bow to him as king, he's slow to anger. And he's merciful. He takes no delight in destroying the wicked. Brothers and sisters, do you know that God is a consuming fire? Do you know that those who reject him and his word are no match for his holy, righteous judgment? Do not be a fool like Ahaziah or his soldiers. But rather plead with the true and living God for mercy. Humble yourself before him and before his word. Well, Elijah follows God's word once again as the angel tells him to go and and to not be afraid. And so we see him fourth and finally. We see tonight that the Lord keeps his word. Let's consider that last tonight. The Lord keeps his word. Elijah now, as he's told by the angel, he now appears 
before the crippled king who had been sending these men to go and arrest him. And with courage and consistency, he delivers the very same message, calling into question Ahaziah's foolish idolatry and telling him that he would surely die. And at this point for Ahaziah, especially after hearing of the death of his soldiers by fire from heaven, this was a perfect opportunity for him to humble himself before God and before God's word. He should have heard of the death of his body and sought life for his soul. Seeking the mercy of God, repenting for his idolatry, coming to peace with the God he had rejected for so long, asking Elijah, then what must I do to be saved? But it seems he lay there just as crippled in heart as he was in body, refusing the truth of God, rejecting the mercy of God, not wanting to hear the word of God. And so we read right after this in verse 17, so he died. So he died according to the word of the Lord that that Elijah had spoken. God keeps his word. And what a sad and pitiful ending to Ahaziah's life. Even on his deathbed, he, he refuses to bow the knee to his creator. The one who could both punish him and save him. And friends, this must be a warning to you. Do not reject God. Do not reject his word, which is true. He keeps his word. And God tells us in his word, you will surely die. He tells all of us that we must die because of sin until Christ returns. You heard it this morning, Hebrews 9 27, it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Or Romans 6, the wages of sin is death. And you can respond to that, the reality of death. The reality of your own death and the judgment of God. You can respond to that with anger or denial. You can respond by rejecting God and his word. You can pretend that death is not final. It's not so serious. You can believe in an afterlife. You can believe in no hell with no evidence. You can run to a false God. Or you can trust God's word. Because his word is true and he keeps his word. And he tells us that we all must die so that we would run to Jesus for life. You can turn to him and ask God to have mercy on you and save you and defeat death. And give you life in Christ. Romans 6 goes on to say that the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus died to give life to sinners. Sinners like Ahaziah. Sinners like all of us in this room tonight. He died so that they might be freed from death. So that they might receive life and salvation. Jesus is the only answer to sin and death. He is the only answer to the holy wrath of God. Brothers and sisters, this unique and shocking story tonight 
confronts you with the reality of death. You may not want to be thinking about death tonight, but God's word brings that before you. This story opens and closes with death. It starts with mentioning Ahab's death. And then right away we read that Ahaziah is surely going to die. And we hear that again in verse 16. And then we saw in verse 17. As the story closes, Ahaziah is dead. And friends, you and I will die as well, unless Christ comes before that. God's word makes that clear. Our text tonight shows us God's justice on sinners in Ahaziah's death and also in fire from heaven. God keeps his word. But God does not just speak of death and judgment in his word. God proclaims life. God offers life. God sent Jesus and gives life through faith in him. Is your faith in Jesus? Have you put your faith in the Son of God who was sent from heaven? Do you trust and listen to and follow God's word? Are you ready to die? Or are you hard-hearted? Are you ready to die or are you going to die hard-hearted in denial, in idolatry like Ahaziah and like the soldiers? Or are you ready to die in faith? Do you know that in Christ, death is swallowed up in victory? Here in this story, as Elijah's earthly life nears its end, God protects him. God spares Elijah. God spares the third group of soldiers who humble themselves before him. But because of his love for dying sinners, he did not spare his own son. Jesus was consumed in the fire of his holy wrath on the cross in your place so that you might live if you put your faith in him. And so friends, let this story tonight awaken you. Let this story remind you tonight, tell you tonight that you will surely die. But in Christ, by faith in him, you will surely live. Your life is precious in his sight. People of God, the Lord is God. He is merciful and he saves. And so trust his word. Do not cling to idols. Do not die in your sins without help and without hope. Put your faith in Jesus and have life in him. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, this is a hard and and sobering word tonight. But Lord, we recognize that it is a gracious and gentle word. Because we will not turn to Christ for life if we do not know that we will surely die. And we will surely die in our sins under your wrath and your holy anger. And so, Lord, I pray that everyone in this room would know these truths and would not die in anger and in denial and rebellion as this wicked king did, but that they would die in Jesus, that they would have life, 
that they would have life in his name and by faith in him. Lord Jesus, we thank you and praise you that you are the bread of life, that you have come down from heaven, and that all who look to you, all who eat of you in faith will have eternal life. Lord, I pray that each and every one here would have that eternal life and many more. We do pray this all in faith and in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's respond.